aspiring entrepreneur in the U.S., hoping to open your own business. You've worked extremely hard to develop a menu that you think will appeal to your community, and you're starting to get excited. But you don't know where to begin with this business side of things. This challenge is a familiar one to food entrepreneurs. They are confident and highly skilled in developing and creating their food products, but they may not have the business background, financial resources, or space to make their dreams a reality. Supporting food entrepreneurs is vital to building strong local communities. In this episode, we will hear from Sumaya Khan and Courtney Remton at City Seed, based in New Haven, Connecticut. City Seed is a food systems nonprofit organization that supports food entrepreneurs to overcome barriers in the current system. City Seed primarily works with women, people of color, low income individuals, immigrants, and refugees in their programs, which include the Food Business Incubator Services, Commercial Kitchen, Food Business Accelerator Program, and Sanctuary Kitchen Program. Sumaya leads the Sanctuary Kitchen Program, which partners with immigrants and refugees. Sumaya and Courtney will explain the importance of sustainable and equitable food systems for public health. Before we get started, though, here's a quick quiz. Can you name the country and year where people first began eating in restaurants? We will reveal the answers to this question at the end of the episode. Uh, my name is Sumaya Khan, and I'm the kitchen program manager at City Seed. Um, City Seed is a local New Haven nonprofit um, that focuses on um, creating an equitable and just food system. Um, we do that through um, a couple different ways. Um, the first being uh, running all the New Haven farmers markets um, in order to increase access to local uh, and fresh and healthy food to the New Haven community in the various neighborhoods. Um, we provide um, food business incubation services um, through our commercial kitchen, as well as our food business accelerator, which is aimed at increasing um, economic opportunity in, in the New Haven area and also reducing barriers to entry into the food business. Um, and then lastly, we run the Sanctuary Kitchen program, uh, which I also manage, um, that focuses on uh, refugee and immigrant chefs um, and building um, economic opportunities um, through food, um, as well as creating connections in the community um, between new residents, sorry, yeah, new residents and, and longtime members of of the area. I'm Courtney Renton. I'm the executive director of City Seed. Um, so that's kind of the parent program or parent organization of Sanctuary Kitchen. Um, and then we run a couple other programs as well, including farmers markets, as well as um, food business incubation for early stage food entrepreneurs. Thank you both. Um, could you tell us a little bit about how you both became interested in your current work? Um, I've only been at City Seed for about six months, um, still pretty new to the team, um, but I have been working on food and agriculture issues for over 10 years um, and moved to New Haven about three years ago and got my master's degree in environmental management with a focus on 
agriculture, um, food systems, and climate change. And so um, was lucky enough to have the chance to stay in New Haven and to work with City Seed, which is really um, a really unique organization in the city that's taking this more systemic approach to food systems issues by working across all these programs and different issue areas. Um, so it's been a, a really exciting to join the team um, and to kind of bring some of my background to the work that we're doing now. Uh, my background is as a registered dietitian. Um, I've been in public health and community nutrition for over 15 years um, with a focus on prevention and um, cooking education um, is, you know, in various programs that I worked in. Um, so for me, um, the programs that City Seed has now is kind of a natural fit to continue that work and to broaden it um, to include uh, my background in social justice issues and being uh, the daughter of immigrants. So Sanctuary Kitchen basically was kind of a synthesis of my professional background and my personal interests in food and nutrition and, um, you know, bringing um, cultures and communities together. Thank you. Um, our next question is, how would you describe food entrepreneurship to someone who knows nothing about it? Well, we really just, so we work with early stage food entrepreneurs. And so what we mean by that is people who are just getting started, starting any kind of food business really. Um, and our programs are specifically designed to um, create equitable food entrepreneurship, inclusive entrepreneurship, and sort of create resources and opportunities for folks who um, might have a harder time you know, accessing those resources otherwise. So women, people of color, immigrants, refugees, um, so we work with people who want to start, you know, a hot sauce company or a food truck or um, a catering business. So there's tons of different types of food businesses, but, um, you know, we're kind of at that early stage thinking about like, how do you write your business plan, marketing, um, how do you get your certifications with the health department and your serve safe. Um, so really kind of like those first logistical hurdles that you need to overcome that maybe Otherwise, nobody's giving you like a guide in how to do it. And we um, try to do it through our programs pretty quickly so that people can get, you know, past that stage and um, start running their, their businesses. Would you maybe be able to um, like expound a bit about what the different, like the major barriers are to starting a food business, at least that you've seen um, with the people that you've worked with? Well, specifically for uh, refugees and new immigrants, the barriers are even more, I feel like, than to the average person, um, namely because, you know, they're new to, you know, American culture and uh, American bureaucracy and all the requirements that are necessary to get a business off the ground. So learning about those processes, all the licensing and insurance, like Courtney mentioned, is is challenging to navigate. And then when you add a language barrier, it's even uh, more so. So, you know, we do try to ease that process um, in making sure that the language is understood, whether that's through interpretation and translation, and also explaining and, and supporting them through those processes of getting established and really walking them through that. Um, it's, it's confusing even when you do know the language and are, you know, grew up in, in this area. So we've also <laughs> learned a lot in that process. Um, and, and we've also been able to partner with the right people in, you know, the health departments and, and um, in the city to really support 
that process to remove those barriers that exist in general, um, not just for refugees and immigrants. Um, Other barrier is um, access to like capital and uh, resources. So through our food business accelerator, that is another area that we try to support. Um, all ventures are eligible to receive some seed funding after they graduate from the program to help them get started. Um, we also spend time on teaching about where, what are other funding opportunities that are available for them and making those connections. And lastly, we have a we have commercial kitchen in space that is that is affordable and accessible to early stage entrepreneurs. We've actually done like surveys and some studies in the city of New Haven to identify those barriers. And I think Sumaya just hit everyone. Um, and so then we intentionally design our programs around that. The only one I don't know if you mentioned was lack of access to markets. Mm -hmm. um, so even once you start your business, let's say you have everything ready to go, you obviously need places to sell and there's unique barriers to that as well. And so um, because we also run farmers markets, you know, entrepreneurs who kind of go through our different programs have the opportunity to, you know, sell or do tastings there, um, or we'll kind of use our network of connections in New Haven to try to plug people into other, other markets. It's really neat. I like hearing about all the different aspects of how City Seed and Sanctuary Kitchen are involved in, in that whole process of getting food entrepreneurs um, started. Um, so next question is, why is food entrepreneurship um, something that we should care about in public health? And what are the potential consequences of ignoring it? I think it has to do with creating and strengthening the local food system and, you know, supporting local sustainable agriculture, um, partnering and promoting, you know, Connecticut farmers um, and, and making those connections between them and new food businesses. Um, it's about access and availability of, you know, healthy local food, um, where in a city like New Haven, um, we do have, you know, food deserts in areas where access to, you know, basic nutritious food is, is, um, is difficult. Yeah, I would totally, totally agree with that. Um, I don't have a public health background, but um, I think certainly the connections through sustainable agriculture that Sumaya mentioned, I also think kind of really zooming out and thinking on the neighborhood scale and the community scale, um, we see inclusive entrepreneurship as a path towards economic development and community development and wealth building and shifting resources to communities that often don't have access to those resources. And I think all of those have, you know, a direct effect on, on health, albeit maybe, you know, through the system and not so directly linked, but I think it's, I think it's all connected and, and building healthy communities through job opportunities through, you know, opportunities to um, reimagine what businesses are in a neighborhood, all of those things, I think, contribute to individual health, as well as kind of community and economic health. Right, it's all interconnected. And, you know, if we want to make improvements in public health, ec economic development, all of that, we need to have a very holistic perspective, um, and address all of those, because they, they have a trickle down effect, they affect each other. Um, you can't, solve one problem without it having an effect on, on the others. I guess building off of that question, um, can you share a specific example of how food entrepreneurship affects health um, among the people in the community that you serve? Um, one example that comes to mind, especially this spring, 
um, in the kind of early wake of COVID hitting New Haven, um, one of our ventures that went through our food business accelerator program in the past is called SOPA and they do um, soup, really, really lovely soup and um, kind of pop-ups and they kind of jumped into the COVID response um, ecosystem in New Haven and shifted their production from kind of their traditional model of, you know, paying customers to doing more like emergency food response. And so I think having more food entrepreneurs in the system who are producing at small scales to feed neighborhoods and can pivot really quickly in that way had like a pretty immediate impact, at least on the, you know, the people that they were serving. Um, and so you can imagine if you like extrapolate that out to a whole network of food entrepreneurs in a um, really resilient food system that if a crisis hits, whether it's a pandemic or climate change or whatever, a natural disaster, the ability to sort of like immediately feed the people around you. And um, especially if there maybe isn't as much access in certain neighborhoods to stores or um, healthy restaurants. So that's one, one that comes to mind. And there are some great articles written about the work that they did. I think in general, um, Frontline Foods came in to New Haven, which is a branch of uh, World Central Kitchen to provide food and other assistance to frontline workers. They were able to tap into smaller uh, food businesses, um, food businesses run by uh, people of color and women um, to really support um, their businesses as well. Um, so there was that mutual benefit. And really, again, like highlighting those businesses as well as resources in the community. I guess the only thing I would add that's not specifically related to public health, but I think it, it is and is a benefit is, um, you know, when I think about the people who've come through our food business accelerator and the types of food that they cook and the products they make, like that is the kind of food city that I want to live in that has products from around the world that has diverse flavors and kind of like unique stories that they're attached to and um, people bringing cuisines and influences from everywhere into the city. And I think, especially for a smaller city like New Haven, I think, you know, you can really build that kind of like vibrancy and, and culture and make it the kind of city that people want to live in and want to eat in and want to launch their businesses, um, which downstream, I think does have, you know, impact on, on health as well as just kind of like happiness and, um, living in a place that's like delicious and exciting. So um, that's the only thing I would add, I think. Our vision is um, long-term is, is to use food and local food systems as a means, like Courtney said, to bring diversity to the city, but also as a tool for uh, cultural exchange and integration um, for professional development and income generation. And, and then also like, you know, improving access to you know, healthy, uh, diverse food. Um, and so we, we are seeing that on a micro level. And then, you know, as it, as it expands, um, you see the ripple effects of that as well. Um, shifting gears a little bit here, but um, could you share an example of how maybe some creativity is fostered in your work or the work of um, the folks who are linked into your network? I mean, I think from, because of COVID, uh, COVID has really forced us to think creatively and be innovative on in how to continue our mission and, and the work we do in different ways. You know, Sanctuary Kitchen is is founded on 
people coming together, <laughs> right, over food. Um, so with our events and with catering, um, it, it all relies on people coming together with, for, you know, coming together. And so with, with the pandemic, obviously that's not happening. So we were really forced to kind of think differently and also think about um, how we could implement some of the ideas that we had in the back burner, you know, and move them forward and, you know, selling food online, um, you know, doing prepared meals that are easy to for pickup rather than like custom catering orders, looking at and exploring other retail spaces and making relationships um, in different market areas um, for sanctuary kitchen food, for example. And then also, um, you know, moving things virtually in terms of our events. So we tried out um, a supper club model virtually. Uh, We've been doing cooking classes virtually. One of the most uh, exciting things that we did this year was for World Refugee Day, where because of COVID and because things were all, everything was online, um, we were able to partner with a dozen other organizations across the country um, and in Canada um, who do similar work with refugees and immigrants around food. And we were able to do this virtual event for World Refugee Day in June where we were able to, you know, support each other and, sh- and promote each other's work um, and, and have a really lively and important conversation around the food industry and, di- and diversity and inclusion, which we would never have thought to do before the pandemic. Um, and now that we're all connected virtually, like we're able to have these uh, connections outside of Connecticut, outside of New Haven, um, and really support each other um, in a way that we didn't before. And then we, we talked a little bit about how we have also are thinking the FBA differently um, now with COVID, um, you know, moving everything online and doing it virtually and how that has allowed us to do, um, you know, uh, present the information and teach uh, in a different way. Um, there's a saying I like that's um, like, be clear about your goal, but agnostic about how you get there. And I feel like that really speaks to creativity and, and what I've seen with Sanctuary Kitchen and across all of our programs and with the entrepreneurs who go through our programs is like, you get thrown curveballs all the time. So how can you kind of adapt and change so that you still reach your goal? So for us, you know, I don't think the goal was like, to be the best catering company necessarily, even though we were, but if the goal is economic development and cultural exchange and you know professional training for immigrants and refugees, catering's one way we could get there, but then there's all these other ones. And so I think being open and being creative always about what the path is to get to the ultimate goal, um, which I think is really exciting. And, and we've done a, a really good job so far. Um, kudos to Sumaya. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, that's. It's, I, I think it's really exciting to hear about um, the work that you're doing. And um, the next question kind of builds a little bit off of that. Um, what have you learned from working with food entrepreneurs in your community? I feel like, yeah, I, I've never started a company. Um, so I'm, I'm not an entrepreneur, but I feel like I love being like entrepreneur adjacent because you kind of get to feed off of like if you're the kind of person who's going to go out and start something, you just have this energy and the spirit and this drive. And I feel like that's what we see 
with our entrepreneurs who come through our program and, and definitely our sanctuary kitchen chefs who I would consider absolutely to be entrepreneurs. And so I think that um, creativity we just spoke about, but then also just kind of like this resilience and stick to and, um, you know, willingness to try new things and jump into something despite a language barrier, despite these other barriers that we outlined, it's like, it's pretty remarkable and puts things in perspective. Um, and I think for, for me and for us, it's just like very energizing to be around. And I think it's really hopeful too, because, you know, when we go back to talking about your questions earlier of like, how does entrepreneurship build a food system or what's the connection? I think like, I want that food system, not only because it's delicious and diverse, but also because I think it's going to be super resilient and tough and, you know, stand the test of time. And because of like these qualities of the entrepreneurs who, who are building it and that we're seeing kind of come through the pipeline. Um, so that's what I would share. Yeah. I think resilience is for me personally, the, the piece that I feel has the most impact on me and, and just witnessing it. Um, especially with the chefs that we work with at Sanctuary Kitchen. I mean, they've already gone through so much hardship. Um, you know, they've had to leave their homes and, you know, they've witnessed, you know, hugely traumatic experiences. But throughout that, they've shown immense resilience, um, you know, coming here and starting all over in a new life. And it just helps put things in perspective, right? Um, you know, if, if they can do that um, and still come to work with a smile and, you know, and exhibit so much generosity and pride in, in their work, then we need to do whatever we can to support them um, in getting through these, you know, these tough times. Um, we have it relatively easy compared to what they've gone through. I think our next question builds on this a little bit, and I guess it's just um, where do you think the future of food entrepreneurship is going, um, given all that you've shared about um, the incredible food entrepreneurs that you work with? I think it's so exciting, and I think, um, you know, we've been doing this work for a few years, obviously, before COVID and before um, the racial unrest that we've also seen in our country in the last couple of months, and I think, I think it's only going to open the opportunity more um, for the types of entrepreneurs that we've been working with already. Um, and so, you know, it's in a city like New Haven, we're seeing restaurants close, we're seeing businesses um, have a hard time. And that's, that's so tough to see. Um, we're also seeing people who used to work in restaurants come to us to rent our kitchen to start a new business. And we're seeing, um, you know, maybe those vacant storefronts or vacant restaurants are going to be occupied by a whole new kind of generation of entrepreneurs. And so, while it's certainly really heartbreaking to see how the restaurant industry especially has suffered from COVID. Um, I also am really hopeful and excited for what that kind of makes way for. And, you know, I'm glad that an organization like City Seed is there to kind of be that catalyst for people to get the boost that they need to jump into to starting their own businesses. So I, I think I think the future is bright. I think there's a lot of room for for people to start their own thing, and and we just got to be there to support them. And yeah, yeah. And I think there's also a, a big movement to um, improve the diversity and equity and inclusion within food entrepreneurship. It had you know in the past been predominantly very homogenous, and now there is that focus to really 
improve in, in that area. Um, and really, you know, there's more programs like ours coming up to really support, you know, women and people of color and um, immigrants and refugees in, in this field. Um, this has been a really awesome conversation. Um, how do you think people can become involved or support the work um, of food entrepreneurs? I, you know, I can think of two main ways. One is uh, financial. Uh, you know, our program is a nonprofit and grant supported, though we do rely heavily on um, foundation and grant support to do the work that we do. So if there are, you know, people who are listening and who are in that field and, you know, can offer some assistance or direction, that would be greatly appreciated. Um, secondly, uh, we are always looking for people who are in the field, um, whether they are industry experts, uh, food industry experts who could provide mentorship or other expertise and guidance to the entrepreneurs that we work with, as well as, you know, people who have experience with, you know, the legal side of running a business or other, you know, other business support. Um, so, you know, we are very fortunate, like with our food business accelerator, we do tap into a lot of the local other organizations and individuals who, um, you know, help teach our, our classes, who provide mentorship and guidance and who are, who have clinics for our ventures who, you know, need that extra support. And so we're always looking for individuals who you know who can provide that so if you have experience in marketing or building out your website or if you're a lawyer and are familiar with all the laws and rules around food businesses and so forth those are always critical uh, resources that we could use Thank you so much, Sumaya and Courtney, for taking the time to speak with us. We hope that this episode has helped our listeners better understand the topic of food entrepreneurship and food systems, and how these issues are related to public health and health equity. Before we close this episode, let's return to our quiz. Hey, Hannah, where and when did people begin eating at restaurants? Well, Abby, according to historians, the first restaurants came to be in China around 1100 AD. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Perspectives. We would love to hear your thoughts and reactions to the episode. Please connect with us on Twitter or Facebook with the tag at PubHealthReview. Review.